Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, the Chronicles of Christmas, number... Three. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Batman smells. Jingle all the way. <laughs> Which, you know, that would be an interesting thing. Uh, you know what? This, we were not planning to do this. If you're going to watch one Christmas movie with your Ooh, family. There we go. What's the one Christmas movie Well, I know watch? what one he wants to say. What? Muppets Christmas Carol. You bring it up like all the time. <laughs> that was actually not on my mind. No? What triggered it was Jingle All the Way was a, an early 90s Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Christmas. <laughs> Put that cookie down. <laughs> anyway, uh, so any, any thoughts? <laughs> uh, it's a Wonderful Life. No, I don't. It's, it's okay. That's an okay one. Uh, actually, most, most Christmases, my wife likes to white, watch White Christmas. So. Never seen it. Oh, I've never seen it either. It's it's the musical one. It's it's a romantic, yeah. you know, whatever. But Ro- it's the musical man- one. Yep. Ro- and we always skip certain certain sections. What's that word you just, just used? Romantic. <laughs> what is that? I don't know if it's called a romantic. I don't think it's a comedy. It's just like a romantic a drama. I don't, I don't know that word. It's a feel good whatever movie that is worldly from fifty years ago. So it's not. Is that what too a romantic bad. is? Feels good but worldly. So anyway, I've shared my movie <laughs> onto you. So it's hard. You said like we want to watch with your family. So with my little kids, uh, we enjoy the Curious George Christmas movie. That's oh. a good one. We have a Thomas the Train Christmas DVD that we watch on occasion. So I would say like we're kind of in that world right now. We have a Paw Patrol Christmas, but it's just episodes. It's not like a Paw Patrol Christmas. Yeah. They're, I... They'll be ready on the double. Oh. Yeah. Pop. Anyways, I can sing the song. I but for Robin and I, we like Christmas with the Cranks a lot. There is one inappropriate scene you have to skip, but Tim Allen's funny. And then we love Elf. Every year, I think we watch Elf. Yeah, Elf, Elf is a, I just, it's such a classic. Elf is a classic. Yeah. So I like the old, like, claymation. Oh, Frosty. Or I guess that's not claymation. That was just animation. But kind then, of. Like, the, the Rudolph. Yeah. Like those, like, old school ones. I haven't seen that forever. Yeah. And then there's the one, it's also claymation. I can't remember what it's called. Year Without Christmas, maybe? And it's like the the heat miser and the, the oh. if you remember do any of you guys know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Okay. Well. Did you have you guys seen the one where there's then. like it's like a Christmas mountain and there's an evil elf who takes it over and like this guy has to go in and save it for Santa. Uh the guy who the hero who saves his name is John McClane and the bad elf is Hans Gruber. Man, oh, I can't remember yeah. what that one's called. Anyways, I'll probably die before I remember. Live soft. Something like that. <laughs> no, that's the debated. Is Do you it a think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? I mean, it happens at Christmas, and no. if you want an action movie, <laughs> I think it is a Christmas movie. It's not clean at all. And it's well, d- well, that's no, not the question actually, at hand. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny. Like stuff I used to Something's watch. Something purity doesn't make it back in the day. Like I, uh, I, I go back and watch stuff I used to watch when I was younger. Well, I think I saw that on TV, and they yeah. edited all the junk out. Well, I, I also watched. It. Many a marginal Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie on, on TV, thinking it was fine, mm-hmm. and then renting it later, and it was different, really and it, bad. And it gotcha. I am also of what I would probably consider a minority that thinks Gremlins is a Christmas movie. 
I've uh, never but, seen Gremlins. Yeah, it's not worth your time. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but it is a Christmas. I mean, people who love it though, they love it. Yeah, you know, it's like if Furby's like morphed and and decided <laughs> to kill everyone. Like that's essentially what it is. It's anyway, like a horror movie. So here it is. It's but it's a Christmas horror movie. Anyway, that's messed up. It, well, because the the original I don't know if we gremlin, need an explanation. The original original gremlin that wasn't a gremlin, like an evil one, uh-huh. was like a Furby, like little furry, cute little thing. It was a Christmas gift oh. that someone got for their son. The only rule, it's like I think, don't feed it after midnight or don't get it wet or something like that. Yeah, maybe both. And then once you do that, then it multiplies. But they're they're evil. Mm. You know, you get them wet, they turn into like the monsters or whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, but it, it the original one was a Christmas gift. That's why it's a Christmas movie. It takes place over Christmas. So speaking of gremlins, we're going to do book recommendations. (laughs) It's horrendous. (laughs) So as we do with our Christmas, uh, we we, we went and looked back. The the first time we did this, we just said good Christmas reads. So like books that you might enjoy over Christmas. And then we named it Chronicles of Christmas because that's a fun name. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to talk about books you should read over Christmas break or maybe something you might enjoy that are loosely Christmas themed. Uh, and and by loose Christmas themed at all. Yeah, exactly. That's what loosely (laughs) Christmas themed means. I mean, my first year it was read Lord of the Rings because it has trees. Yeah. Your whole tree theme was really funny that first year, which, okay. I I, used the buffet. I'm glad I reminded myself of that. (laughs) Oh boy. Horrendous. Because I do want to say for all of our listeners, if you've never read the Lord of the Rings. Oh, you should read Lord of the Rings this uh, Christmas season. Like if all these other book recommendations mean nothing, you should read Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, and if you, I look at my stack here and I would agree with that. I think I'd put Lord yeah, of the Rings 100%. over these. Tim's, so I'll, Tim's regretting his stack. I'll everybody. kick us off with a book that is in Tolkien lore, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. thank you, Andy, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Uh, by J.R.R. Tolkien. And so Tom Bombadil is a character in the first of the Lord of the Rings books. And we've discussed him on previous podcasts, or I've discussed him in a books and business at some point. And uh, what this is, is this is like a, it's a standalone and it's like a book of songs and poems about or involving Tom Bombadil. And that's, so it's not like a, a narrative. It's, it's almost just poetry, which, so it's a very different speed. But if you're, if you're kind of a, a little bit more of a Lord of the Ringsy fan than the typical Lord of the Ringsy person, you might enjoy this. It, like I said, rhyming songs, like gives you some more backstory, a little bit. Um, like there's there's one in here about him meeting, and uh, I'll use the word that I think they use, capturing Goldberry. <laughs> um, the anyway, but so I think you might enjoy that if you if you are a Tolkien fan, uh, you would probably enjoy. The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. And so I'll recommend that as a good Christmas read. It's always good to take a look at the new titles that have recently released at the Faith Bookstore. A couple of those would be Is God a Vindictive Bully by Paul Copan. Ooh. So it's an apologetics book. Yeah, that sounds interesting. He's written Is God a Moral Monster? That one came out about 10 years ago. Uh, so this is a follow-up. Um, I started it, haven't gotten far. But that might be one to check out. Uh, John Piper released another book, uh, What is Saving Faith? So discussing justification. Reflections 
on receiving Christ as a treasure is the subtitle. Hmm. So I'm not sure what I will think about that one. But when I was at ETS, they gave everybody a copy. So I don't know. It's on my shelves. We'll see if I read it or not. And then I scored big time when I was at the SBL conference. TNT Clark had 75% off on their last day. So I acquired On Femininities in the Song of Songs and Beyond by Arbel, Dress Hermeneutics and the Hebrew Bible, and Fountains of Wisdom. These three books probably total like $400, and I got them 75% off. That is fantastic. I was excited. I was super excited. But those are probably not ones you're going to be able to get a hold of, so (laughs) Capon or Piper might be a little bit up your alley. If you're ever wondering what really gets Tim going, it's expensive books about the Song of Psalms that he gets really cheap. This one book's like $200, Fountains of Wisdom and Conversation with James H. Charlesworth. It has some good articles. Wow. That thing looks like a brick. I know it does. I was actually thinking of selling it because I got it so cheap and it's still worth so much money. It just came out this year. I need to harvest the articles out of it first. What else gets him going is selling those books. (laughs) (laughs) Expensive books that he gets cheap. That's like the book. That he can sell to other people. I think that's the curse of the bookstore manager. He's really excited to get them cheap, but then he has this, like, I have to sell this and make money on it. At some point, things become priceless. (laughs) Right? Anyway. Okay, so I'm going to start off with, uh, I've got three categories. I've got a fun fiction, I've got a current and attainable, and I've got a biography. So we'll start with the fun fiction. If you have not read Wing Feather yet, this is the perfect time of year to do it. It's a really fun read, and it's a story. Uh, if your kids are old enough, I think they'd enjoy it. Tim, which of your kids followed you through Wing Feather? well ages like no they all did i think even the six six seven year old it may have helped that the older siblings were uh excited about it and enjoyed it um but but they all liked okay wing feather i've wondered about uh reading that i was just i didn't know if my five-year-old would be quite ready for it it may she may not be uh quite ready for okay for wing feather but my uh a couple of my son one of my sons has read wing feather like three times. Okay. And he is just like obsessed with it. So listener, I would say that if you haven't read it yet, it's, it's not a hard read and it's, it's really good. And, uh, so if you're looking for something fun to read, grab this and uh, give it a whirl. It's very good. So they just came out with uh, a video series on it. And so I would, what'd you think of it? I watched the first, so we're recording this early in the month of December and only one episode's out at this time. And the first episode, I thought it was good. It was fine. I will say that it's very different than the story in the book. So I would strongly recommend that your children read the book before they watch the, what is it called? Like a, a day, animated series. Animated series. Yeah. I, I watched seven minutes of it. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but until the first point of tension was done, like two or three minutes or mm-hmm. seven minutes or something. It was interesting. The animation style is unique. Unique. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh-huh. Not a deal breaker. Not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as always, read the book. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, like, yeah, they're, 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 it does so much more in the cultivation of their affections. Well, the story, they, they cut a lot out. I mean, yeah. they just had to. So Well, and also, the, like the opening scene, I expected it to track right with the book. Uh-huh. And it wasn't where the book was. No, not and at I, all. And I thought, oh, they're, gonna, oh, they're doing something different. Right. And so which when, is funny, because I thought Peterson would be involved. He probably is. I just, yeah. I thought he would stay with 
but I wonder if he's trying to like. We should call him up and ask him. That'd be a fun one. (laughs) So when we were watching it, I talked to my kids because friend of the program. (laughs) I was talking to my kids and I said, "Remember, this is a video, so it's going to be similar, but also different." from the book and just enjoy the story in its own light. I told them that. So anyway. Speaking of popular movies to which we should all have read the book first, but most people probably have not. Sorry. Most people like mostly dead or mostly not mostly dead or mostly dead. Okay. Sorry. I saw the book. Yeah. So I'm holding another great fun read that you might enjoy is The Princess Bride. And I say, yes, The Princess Bride is actually a book. Yeah, you know, I actually didn't know that until I saw it sitting on the desk when you brought it in today. You loaned it to me like the two years ago. Happened. And he was in no my idea. office a couple years ago and he's like, oh, they made a book after that? And I was like, uh. His face, everybody. No. <laughs> well, I just figured it was a prop in the movie. So here's, here's the thing about <laughs> Princess Bride. Here's the thing is I think it is beloved so much more in Christian circles. Because it is a somewhat humorous, decent story that's fairly clean. At least the movie was. So that was what most homeschool kids were allowed to watch. Like compared to other movies that came out in its time. And so there's like this weird following of Princess Bride fans that are also Christians. And I don't think that same affinity for it is shared outside because I think it's so much of it was because it was a clean movie, you know, like that, that's like the, so anyway, like most, my interaction with, I had never heard of it. And then all my youth group buddies were like, Oh, let's watch the princess bride. And it was like, what are you talking about? Oh, Charlie, you've never seen the princess bride. And they treat it like it's this like grand, huge thing. I think it's kind of joking a little bit though. Oh no, they loved it. They no, did? dude. In my youth group, it we has a following. Them. Yeah, seriously, like it was like it was like an awesome know, movie. I just to thought us. it was kind of a joke. Do you know how many Christians no. are like, "Oh, I love the Princess Bride," and I ask, "Have you read the book?" Do you know how many over the years have said, "Oh, yeah, I've read the book." None. I think like one. Oh wow! And in fact, it's quite common that they have the same reaction that you guys had, which mm-hmm. was they didn't even know the book existed, which I think is a tragedy because the book, like most. Books compared to their movie counterparts. The book is so much better. It's so much richer. It has more content that will make you fall in love with it even more. And so if you like The Princess Bride, forget everything you know about it from the movie and get the book by William Goldman and read it and you will not be disappointed. You will enjoy it. Uh, Quite... I think my favorite, my favorite part of the story that is not in the movie, and if you only relied on the movie, you would have completely missed this. It's when, uh, what's Wesley, the main dude, Mm -hmm. he's down at the bottom of the zoo of death, which I don't even know if you know, it's the zoo of death from the movie, but that's what it's called. And he's down, uh, Prince Counterdink, is that his name? What's his? Yeah. And he's, he's holding Wesley down there, like torturing him. It's that. And like, they find him. Uh, Fezzik and Inigo find him down there. But there's this whole little escapade of them going down the different layers of the zoo of death. And it's like this layer that the prince has set up to like keep people out of his lair. Sounds like a Dante's Inferno. They're going oh, yeah. down to rescue him. <laughs> and they, they are. And But then there's one in there where there's this big snake that's like constricting them to death. Oh, it's like the devil. And <laughs> Is he playing on that? 
I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't know enough about it uh, as far as literature is concerned to know. Oh, I'm looking it up. That'd be a fantastic discussion <laughs> with uh, Dr. Puddle. Um. Anyway, but so the way that they get out of that, and I, you know, spoil alert. Like, maybe I shouldn't give it away. No, yeah, don't, don't give it give away because you're they, recommending the way it. that they get yeah. out of it. Like Inigo and Fezzik is this such this cute, funny little interaction. And it's like, it's like my favorite little portion of the book, the way that they resolve it. And then he comes back around to it like a couple pages later. It's so like, it's just so enjoyable. And you miss all of that Aww. from watching the movie. Like mm. you would never know what happened. And it's like, <laughs> ah. but anyway, so Princess Bride, I will put it on the goodness scale. I think it's a solid six. Ooh. Now I don't, I, I haven't read it in a while. So if I read back through it, and was to think about like what is it teaching about the cultivation of affections in uh, that word we were talking about earlier, romance, whatever that is. Um, I might I might have a differing view of it now from a little bit more of a mature standpoint. But I, as far as a story is concerned and the fun of it, I, I, it's such a fun read. When did you read it? Last time I've read it was probably 2012 or 2013. Wow. So you, you've been a reader of literature for a long time, Carter. I'm impressed. So you're telling our listeners to read the book and what they should tell you is, as you wish. As you wish. <laughs> Beautiful. So actually, well my done. first, I, I will give a shout out here, and I doubt he would ever listen to this, but Nate Johnston, he was a guy, I went to youth group with him. We, we overlapped. He was a, a junior or senior in high school when I was a freshman, somewhere in that zone. We went to church together. We worked at camp together. And that was my first interaction with, uh, I'd seen the movie because I'd been forced against my will to watch this movie with my buddies. And and then, but he has the book. And what he would do as a camp counselor was every night he would get his like guys together in this little atrium of the cabin and he would read a couple pages of The Princess Bride. Seriously. And thinking back, I'm like, man, what a... What a sweet move that is as a counselor to like, okay, we're getting ready for bed. It's story time. And he's reading to them. And okay, now it's time to go to bed. Like, yeah. That's a masterful move. It really is. But that's the first time I ever interacted with it. Like knowing, seeing it as a book. And I think that's when I would have purchased it. it would have been like 2009, 2010. That's kind of where I first started getting into it. Can I just make a comment before Tim gives his next book? You were forced, almost, it's almost like you were forced at gunpoint to listen to this or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and that's how you're, or watch it, or read the book, you, you, or watch the movie. You're saying it was not that great. And I, I grew up loving it. I had a very similar experience, but it wasn't The Princess Bride. It was. It was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> oh, boy. My friends were so excited. I had the same experience. So Did you? Dumb. And I watched, yeah, it, I had, like, I watched it because I was with him. This was so dumb. But what I found about that one which is this is very similar to the movie princess bride is it's way more funny when you talk about it. Yes. It's funny to talk about. It's less funny when you watch it. Monty Python is the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, like, <laughs> it's the Napoleon dynamite <laughs> of or seven. Nacho Libre of like British eighties. I know it like, really is. <laughs> like it's like just stupid, dumb, but like if you get the right group, I don't think it's yeah. even clean. Is it? No, no it's, it's not. not really. No, not even. no, You'd have to clear play that one or but I do Angel I it. do love the one like they have like the coconuts and they're making little horse sounds and I do think oh, oh, I'm being repressed. There's there's a, a clip that we should if you if you want to look it up, I think it's clean. Uh so maybe just like preface that it might not actually be clean. But there's like a um philosopher football, and by football I mean soccer, and it was like a Monty Python little bit that they did. 
and it's like a soccer team playing soccer, but then the other team is like all these famous philosophers, and it's pretty funny. No kidding. Today, during an event, Logan Shep, shout out to Logan Sheps if you lead, l- read this, literally sends me that. Yeah. Just today. That's a Monty Python. That's a classic. John Cleese. Yep. Uh, I think John Cleese, who's one of the Monty Python guys, is a pretty funny individual, yeah. but it depends if they're clean or not. Anyway, so Princess Bride. You should read that. As you wish. Unless you haven't read The Lord of the Rings. Yes. So let me reiterate. Don't oh, read. Feather. Or we, I, Lord Put of the Rings. both of those ahead of uh, Princess Bride. Well, first, Lord of the Rings. Second, Wing Feather. Then, Princess Bride. So a couple of books I picked up while I was out at ETS. Uh, one is After the Revolution by David Ayers, uh, Sex and the Single Evangelical. So uh, this is just a new book that's been released by Lexham Press. He basically uh, outlines what has happened in modern evangelicalism. It's kind of like almost a history. Um, Ooh, he goes, that sounds interesting. He goes back, I guess maybe I should qualify it, but he goes back to um, the 70s and 80s, I think more the 80s, and how um, uh, singles uh, were, it was a mess and and they were not pure. Uh, so then he kind of works up to the modern age and then he provides uh, some framework and principles for churches to promote sexual purity. So, I mean, it takes a, a high view of purity. Uh, I would say that the book is more of a survey. Uh, he goes through a lot of statistics. Um, they have early statistics that he was personally a part of. Um, I think it was back in the eighties. I forget the dates, but, um, and just kind of illustrates how big of an issue purity is with, uh, singles. Carl Truman writes the forward and, uh, connecting Carl Truman. Remember, he's the one that authored the, um, Strange New World. Strange New World, thank you. And uh, Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Right, Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. So basically how the Christian subculture has bought into this Freudian idea of individualism and why that's creating such a mess in our culture. Uh, This book actually discusses a lot of uh, sexual activity and stuff that I would not recommend singles reading. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that that's helpful for them. Uh, But for pastors who are um, kind of wondering what what is the state of the evangelical quote-unquote broad evangelical church after the revolution i think it can be helpful for them i've got a second one i'm going to do two sorry the second one is finding phoebe by susan highland Uh, this is published by erdman's Uh, this is a popular level book that's just that's working through uh what what power women had in the in the New Testament days. So the focus is New Testament. You know, in Phoebe, we've talked about, I've talked about Phoebe in uh, Romans uh, 16 and what was her position. Uh, so the the book is divided up into four sections, uh, wealth and property. Could women own property? And the answer is yes. And we knew that even from the Old Testament, a uh, woman could own popper, property. Uh, Naomi owned property, uh, but still that was very rare. Uh, and then the use of a dowry in, in marriage, dowry, the dowry um, gave the woman some security and safety. In fact, if a man wanted to divorce her, then he would have to pay back the dowry. So the dowry was an important component to ancient marriages. Uh, and that was something that the wife 
owned. It was hers. And if she came from a wealthy family, then she could use that. So uh, Finding Phoebe, you know, the subtitle is What New Testament Women Were Really Like. They're seeking to dispel this idea of a patriarchal society. But the interesting thing is they don't really dispel. I don't know. Maybe they're not trying to dispel that. It might be me reading into them their they're what they're trying to do in the book a little too much but um they make some some statements uh, on page 120 i'm not suggesting that husbands and husbands and wives viewed each other each other as equals that seems unlikely but the ideal of marital harmony suggested that they valued the ability to balance their interests and work together and they needed to work together because both had property and social resources at their disposal and so <clears throat> it's trying to create more of an egalitarian New Testament world, which then they can use to support an egalitarian Christianity. That seemed to be my takeaway from this. And I haven't read the whole thing, but I have read maybe about half of it. Um, and I would contend that just, that just doesn't, that's just not supported. This idea of a woman having a voice in the household is a biblical idea. You know, a guy shouldn't just be lording it over her. If that's somebody's idea of patriarchalism, then it's wrong uh, and it's unbiblical. So Finding Phoebe is my second book that I've thrown out there. So my first recommendation was fun fiction. My second recommendation is Current and Attainable, and it is A Student's Guide to Culture by Kunkel and Stone Street. I've talked about this on uh, Books and Business uh, a couple a while back. Um, it's a good book. It's it's a book on current cultural trends like uh, various uh, movements in education, philosophy, but then right down to like transgenderism and homosexuality and that sort of thing. And I like, I would say like 95% of the book I really, really like. Each chapter on a topic doesn't go as deep as some people would want, but it gives you further reading in each chapter to go deeper. So I really found the book to be a wonderful tool. I would recommend it um, probably like youth pastor. If there's a, a pastor or youth pastor listening and you want to go through a book on current issues with a teen or parents, if you're looking for a tool to use with your teens to go through once a week, read, talk about it, and then you want to look for more resources, th this would be a great resource for you. It's put out by the guys over at STR. Uh, Kunkel, uh, he's an STR, that's standard reason, that's Greg Kunkel's ministry. Uh, he works at STR. Friend of the podcast. I knew Charlie had to get that in there. And I'm not I'm not sure what John Stone Treat does. I'm not sure if he works there or not. I think he's just uh, a co-author. Um, but it's, it's a really good book. I really liked it. Um, especially if you get into that stuff, you'll, you'll enjoy it, but it won't be over your head. So, uh, a student's guide to culture by Kunkel and Stone Street. That reminds me, um, we had Greg Kokel on a few weeks back and we talked about one of his books, The Story of Reality. And you still have that in the bookstore, right? No. Yeah, I'm out of stock right now, but when this I drops the last one, I was going to buy three and I went in ah. and stock said two and we hey, can only find one. That right That's there. That's because I why... had the one. It was bad. Oh, you little punk. I returned it, but then somebody else bought it. Oh, come I, on. How many copies did you have? In. I only had two. I couldn't get an order in. I've been busy. I'm sorry. One of the listeners who knows who they are was asking me to pick some up at a family gathering mm. and I was unable to pick them up. I so know. listener, you now know who the culprit was. It was not me. It well, was that. What I was about to manager. say was, I failed. was about to say was I actually think that would be a great book to order for someone 
if you have unsaved family members. Yes. Because it, it very current, mm-hmm. but attainable. Yes. It's like, is it going to give a kind of a brief overview of other religious systems? Yes. But it's not, it's not unattainable. Right. Yeah. And then what it does, I think really well is it is a story and you do get into like, why does God come as Christ? Like, why do we have the son being sent and mm-hmm. getting to the issue of sin and, and redemption? It, I think it, it unfolds really well. And uh, so I think it'd be a good book. I, I was planning to get it for some uh, friends and family. Uh, as like, hey, you should read this. We had him on the podcast. You could listen to it. Like kind of a nice little intrigate, but I'll have to get some ordered. I'm sorry. I'll have to. Uh, it's it's uh, sorry. Like, can... It's partly business. You guys were picking on me earlier about trying to, you I know, know. No. the issue is this vendor doesn't have sales very frequently and it's not been on sale. Oh, okay. So I've been sure. waiting and trying to get a deal and maybe I need to just write them and say, hey, this happened. I need a deal. Get me a deal and make it happen. There we go. They're not very good at that. <laughs> Anyway, so stay tuned on that, maybe. But so my last book, um, how I found this book. Yeah, I'm very curious. So there was there's a, a couple of places like you know, Twitter, I think is the place. There's there's a site called Gear Patrol. And it's just like updates of like interesting gear. Sometimes it's tech, sometimes it's outdoor stuff, hmm. whatever, 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 whatever. And uh, you know, depending on the week, depending on the list, you might be interested, you might not be. There was one time, and this is years back, there's a Gear Patrol put out a list, 100 books every man should read. And that just kind of catches you a little bit. And you're like, I'm a man. So what book should I read? You know? And so you pull it up, and this was off of that list. And it is called The Endurance, Shackleton's Legendary Antarctic Expedition. And so I'm just going to read the fly leaf to maybe entice you. This is a historical story. It did happen. It's illustrated and it's incredibly fascinating. In August of 1914, days before the outbreak of the first world war, the renowned explorer Ernest Shackleton and a crew of 27 set sail for the South Atlantic in pursuit of the last unclaimed prize in the history of exploration. The first crossing on foot of the Antarctic continent. Weaving a treacherous path through the freezing Weddell Sea, they had come within 85 miles of their destination when their ship, the Endurance, was trapped fast in the ice pack. Soon the ship was crushed like matchwood, leaving the crew stranded on the floes. Their ordeal would last for 20 months, and they would make two near-fatal attempts to escape by open boat before their final rescue. And so, yes, in the ice pack near 85 miles from Antarctica in 1914, 15, 16, this boat and its captain and its crew are stranded on the ice for 20 months. And yes, they eventually get rescued. And it is fascinating. It is illustrated. So you have pictures of things that happened. Um, I will give just a little bit of a, uh, a warning. Um, maybe not as family friendly as you might initially think, mainly because they did have some animals with them. So when they say by foot going across Antarctica, they're talking about dog sleds. And, uh, as they progress through their 20 months and they're trying to stay alive, they 
utilized uh, some of these animals in unique ways. So parents, be discerning before you take a book that is illustrated uh, about this. Oh, no. It's like you're going to see these pictures of these dogs and then, well, what happened to the dogs? They were eaten. But, um, so... All that to say, it is incredibly fascinating. And there's a quote um, by, so I actually just, the fly leaf of the dust jacket just went off and I saw, like I usually write my name in books when I get them. And so uh, the captain of the ship is usually referred to as Sir Ernest Shackleton. So when I put my name in this book, I wrote Sir Charles Carter in the top left. <laughs> um, but uh, so Sir Ernest Shackleton has a great quote here. Uh, never for me, the lowered banner, never the last endeavor. So it's like, mm. it's a book that exalts adventure and exploration, but also in endurance, the survival of these people through uh, 20 months of like living on the ice, trying to, to stay alive. It, it's, it's fascinating. And so if you're into that sort of thing, uh, I think you'd get, it, it's a, well, just to go back to where I found it. It's one of a hundred books that every man should read. I so want to read that. That's been on my list before. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, I don't know if I'd call it a classic in the sense of like a literature classic, but I think the story is well known. It's, it's a classic story in a sense. And so I think you'll, if you're into history, you want to study, you like studying history this is a cool little nugget to, uh, to read. I can't through. believe they survived 20 months I on believe, Antarctica. I'm, I believe that it was all of them. I don't think wow. any of them died, but I, I can't remember. It's again, that was probably like a 2014, 2015 read. And so they, they yeah. must've had a lot of food that they brought and a lot of dogs, I guess. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Horrendous. Anyway. So yeah, I, I would, I would rate it because it's, it's kind of a left field type of a book. It's not a heavy thinking type of a book. It's you're in it for the story. It is kind of motivational in a sense. Um, so given those caveats, I'd give it a strong four or a five, I think. And, um, if, if you have a family member who's kind of into outdoors or likes to read stories like that, I think it'd be a, a unique gift to get someone or, um, a fun, a fun wintry read, you know, it's winter, it's ice, it's, you know, all that Yeah, stuff. that sounds fitting. So I love your left field. And the, the one I'm referencing, cause I think there are multiple would be by Carolyn Alexander, and uh, probably one of the coolest things about the one I have is the illustrations. So highly recommend getting a copy that has the, I have the hardcover and it has illustrations. So very cool. My final title is Creative Counterpart by Linda Dillo. So Joseph and Linda Dillo have written. Bombadillo? Um, have written a, oh, a few Tom different Bombadil. books. And uh, they're pretty well known. They were most well known back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Joseph Dillo wrote uh, Solomon on Sex. So he is one of the authors I have interacted with in my Song of Songs studies. Linda, his wife, has then written several other books. Uh, I've been going through a lot of women's titles that are newer, and I've been providing critiques on egalitarianism and how that's kind of infiltrating a lot of these books. And I got thinking, you know what? I should just read an older one. I wonder what maybe an older title uh, might have to say. And so this is one that I happened to pick up for free. Uh, this was published in 1986, and then it was uh, it was repackaged. It has a new cover in 2003, uh, but it's actually very good. 
uh, I would actually recommend it. Of all of the women's titles that I have read and seen and worked through, uh, this is one of the better ones. Uh, the, the subtitle is Becoming the Woman, Wife, and Mother You Have Longed to Be. She goes through uh, several chapters uh, about just being a Proverbs 31 woman and seeking to um, love the Lord first, uh, to love your husband second, love your children third, and then ministry and others fourth. She has a chapter on the priority planner. And then uh, her whole section on the relationship between husband and wife, biblical submission, which is not a woman just doing whatever her husband says, but actually providing input and working together as a team, uh, which I had that Finding Phoebe book right before this one. What that book was describing that uh, was going on within some of those New Testament Greek homes was biblical submission, where the man was the one that was in charge, but the woman gave her input and the couple made a decision together. But the axe was over the man's head. So her section on the executive vice president, uh, that's who she, she explains, that's what her role is as the wife. She is the executive vice president under her husband, I thought was uh, very good. Uh, so she has uh, several chapters in this book. There's very little that I disagreed with. Uh, probably the one thing I didn't like was the psychobabble. Uh, she talks about needs and psychiatrists, and I wish it had a stronger biblical base on several of her points. I would say, why don't you go to this passage? You and your husband know this text. Why don't you use it to support uh, what you're saying here? Um, but anyway, this is a really, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I didn't think it would be this good, but um, if if you are a woman, you've been following a lot of what I've been saying about uh, egalitarianism, uh, well, what what would be a good book? This, I would contend, would be a good book, and I would recommend it. Creative Counterpart by Linda Dillo. Would you rate it at all? Yeah. I don't know if we need to rate them all. Yeah, you know, I haven't rated any of my books, but most of them, I don't know how much of them. But that one sounded like maybe rateable. Yeah, this one would definitely be uh, up there. Um, I'd probably put it at, especially for a woman, I would really strongly recommend that you pick up a copy and read through this one, particularly in light of all of the other junk that I'm constantly talking about. It'd probably be like an eight. Mm. I would put it pretty high. Okay. Uh, I don't know of another, you know, biblical femininity. There are tons of books out there. I really like You Who, uh, even Exile. Uh, those are a couple of really good books, but they're more niche and they're hitting specific issues like you who philosophy, uh, which is one of the issues within, um, within our culture. This one is more just a general, what does it look like? Even from hmm. a very practical perspective, what does it look like to be uh, a wife and a mother? And, and so it's very different than like those two books. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Uh, Doug Wilson has a book called How to Exasperate Your Wife. Mm -hmm. It's so hilarious. The cover is glorious. Yep. But one of the things that he says in there is essentially, I think he, I don't know if he's referencing that book, but he's essentially saying the wife is like the CEO of the home. Right. And he says, what's funny is this is, this is a, an illustration. He's not really thinking this, but he says, it's kind of like, if you're the owner of the company and you hire the wife to do a job and it's like, you know, do the things around the house or whatever it is, like run the, you know, those things. And then you come home 
and you go against all the things that she's doing because you're the man, you can do whatever you want. He's like, it's kind of like an owner of a company showing up and ignoring what all the managers you've hired to do. And it was, but it was interesting. He almost used that same sort of illustration model there. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. So for my final book, I'm going to recommend a biography and it's a recent uh, biography by a man by the name of Harry Lee Poe. It's called C.S. Lewis, a biography of young Jack Lewis. It was printed or it was uh, published in 2019. I've, I have I have not made it all the way through it. Um, what I have made it through probably a year and a half ago, I really enjoyed. I've read a number of uh, biographies on Lewis. Um, and this one's good. It's also the first in a trilogy. And over the next couple of years, he wrote three. And it, it, it tracks his early, his middle, and his later life. And I, I thought when I picked it up, so friend of the podcast or listener of the podcast, Greg Gosnell, Pastor Gosnell, Pastor Goose to some people, uh, he had recommended it when we were up at his place. And so I grabbed it with some, I grabbed it at some point uh, and it's been really good. Um, I've read Alistair McGrath's that's, I think maybe the top tier. Uh, I liked into the wardrobe by David Downing that we all read. Um, but this one had some real good merits to it. He brought up some other stuff and I, I thought it was really good. What I read, I have not finished it. So I'm recommending it on a non-finished basis. Dave Downing. Oh, sorry. I didn't say it. Friend of the podcast. My apologies. Um, so if you like C.S. Lewis and you want to like start picking away at a biography, it'd be a good one. And then I also want to bring up that I'm currently about three chapters into, um, the four loves by C.S. Lewis. And that has been way like, I thought it would be good, but it's been better than I expected. And so listener, you should, that's another, we should just all throw that recommendation in because sometime near the beginning of next season, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks that's to right. go through it. And so that's my C.S. Lewis recommendation. All right. Happy holidays, which is not a cop out for saying Christmas because Merry that's Christmas what it's about. And happy new year. But uh, yeah, I feel like I say holidays when I'm trying to reference new years in line with Christmas. Yeah. Like you don't all mean, of the holidays. You don't mean like, never mind. Never mind. It's all good. We understand. So happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Say it all. And uh, what's the next holiday? Happy Hanukkah. Valentine's Day. Hey, from... uh, Saturnalia. 165. (laughs) We just talked about that because we uh, went through Daniel at church and uh, like the prophecies of Antiochus Epiphanes and like the freedom that the Jewish people got in uh, 165. I think it was 165 is why they celebrate Hanukkah. Anyway, that's a digression, but thanks for listening. Pick up some of these books, and uh, we will be back next week with a non-Christmas-themed episode. So, see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.